Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. And we are live on Oz Property Investors. We bring the big names. And tonight we have, to, we're going to have fun with Joe and myself. No, I wasn't expecting Big fun. Big fun. Yeah. Fucking hell, it's hot. Now. How are you, I'm sweating. mate? Oh, geez, I'm just it's swearing very around. Hot. Oh, my I'm very hot. Yeah, yeah. Very should have air back. Open the thing then. So, how, yeah, how are you going anyway? What's happening, man? Mate, I'm fantastic. I'm bloody rocking and rolling. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go for this session. This is a solo session with Jeff and I. Um, we don't do these too often. Um, this is the Mario Party session where we look forward. What has 2024 got in store and what are we going to do differently this year? How are we going to go ahead and buy these properties? How are we going to make sure that we get good deals and um, some of the tips and tricks and tactics of things that are going to change for us um, when we go about purchasing and how we think about it? What about you, mate? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just want to. I just want to post... Um... I just want to post this something. There we go. I will. I will yeah, do this. I mean, people are rolling in anyway. But I'm. I'm fantastic. I'm. I'm going really well, apart from being a little hot. But. Uh, but no. No. Going. Going really well, man. Let's. Um. Shall we kick on to our content? Actually, no. Let's. You know. What? Screw it. I'll do this during the thing anyway. People are. Joe, you're right. You. You look at you, you, mate. You're sweaty. No. So what? What are we talking about this session? What does moves to make your make to, moves to make to start your property party in 2024? So. Things we're going to unpack today, and Joe and I were talking to this yesterday. So we're going to look at the admin and, and ways that you can actually optimize what you're already doing, including things like your property manager, your broker, because these are underrated and you can, I mean, this sounds a bit sort of spooky, maybe it does, but it's, I'm okay with saying it. You can potentially make, you can add a sort of tens, maybe hundreds of thousands to your borrowing capacity by doing these kind of things. So it's, I'm not going to throw the word unlimited borrowing capacity out there because that's uh, that's a no-no. I've already already taken it off the off the off the off the what we talk about, but and then we talk about the top tips for securing in a hot market because it is still very hot out there in a lot of Australia. Like it, it is cool, it cooled off a little bit in sort of Sydney and Melbourne, but having said that, it's still still sort of pretty uh, pretty pretty fierce. And we're going to talk about deals, uh, which is going to shit. We're talking about too much, show. What are we saying? I think, we, I think we're, we're going to talk, talk about. about I think we're going to talk about too much, but we just want to bring yeah. value. And, and we're, going know, to we're, we're going to wrap up. Sort of, we throw too yeah. much out for people. We give them too too much goods. Yeah, we're going to climb. We climax in a funny way because it, it, it is the end of the year, so we're going to finish off. We're going to explode all these things, all these euphemisms. We've um, we've uh, diving into an area and just an area. Not necessarily we're saying that you should pile into it. A lot of people talk about it, so we said let's talk about this area. So you'll have to tune in, stay to the end, and you'll look Ooh. at. I'll give you a clue. It's in Queensland, so. Somewhere in Queensland, we'll be talking about uh, towards the end of the show. So if people have questions along the way, throw those in and we'll aim to get to as many as we can. Come promise we'll answer them all, but we'll do our best. So, Joe, what did I miss? I don't know. Like what did you miss, mate? What's your content of the week? What have you been reading that's really jazzing you up currently? Mate, this uh, this guy's quite polarizing. So I thought, why not? Let's let's bring him onto the show. We're not going to come on the show. It'd be fun to, have, fun to talk to him. But Grant Cardone he's, has written a new book. It's called it's oh. called the wealth creation formula. So so he has 
I think it's six steps. I haven't read the whole thing yet, so but I heard about it on, on an interview, and he sort of unpacks the sort of unconventional way of, of breaking it down and sort of saying you actually need to sort of stop sort of focusing on. He, he he's talks. He's all about this exponential thinking. So he's sort of saying rather than rather than trying to buy and he, a lot of sort of people talk about this days. Benjamin Hardy talk about it as well, but they're sort of saying rather than trying to focus on doing two deals like do 20 deals in the same time and just sort of f- focus on that bigger, bigger obstacle, not a bigger obstacle, bigger goal, like expand your thinking rather than sort of thinking small. So that's basically the crux of what he's talking about in the wealth creation formula. So that's my okay. um, content of yeah. the week. Well, he's a man that, that is definitely thinks big. Um, and I've seen it when people think too small, they think, Hey, I just need to buy my first property for, um, you know, $300,000. Um, I just want to dip my toe into the market. And that's exactly what I did. My first purchase was $280,000. It was an absolute dump. Terrible idea. It hasn't grown very well. It has grown. Don't get me wrong. You can't buy it for $280,000 now. Um, but I would have been better served in, in another location. Um, but um, my content of the week is someone that we've spoken about before. And I think I've spoken about these numbers previously. But it is pretty much me trying to explain in one chart, what the heck is going on and why I am so excited about property in 2024. Oh, okay. So You've done that this, at everyone. Damn it. I've, at, right. ed, I've added everyone. And I okay. said we would do it once a week and uh, I've committed to that. Um, so this is yearly supply of property versus demand for Australia. Um, I might just read it for you a little bit here. So the economy needs more immigration, right? We need to bring more people in. We need more Australians to be a part of this fun time. And uh, like like um, a 10-year-old with a slip and slide, we have turned on the immigration tap and we are bringing in three quarters of a million more people than we did in the last five years. So we're going to need to build more housing. So the previous five years, we needed to build 147,000 dwellings. Over the next five years, we're going to need to build 227,000. That is a 54% increase every single year. That is 80,000 new dwellings. That is like building a Hobart every single year. So we don't have that. We, we're, we're not doing that right now. And that's what you're seeing here. Last five years, obviously, it would have been scattered like this, but just for I didn't have the time to build out the entire chart with the, with the true numbers. Um but um, this is what it looks like over the next five years. So demand is well and truly outstripping supply. In 2025, 2026, 2077, will we catch up? Um, will we catch up to that point? Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have, this is what market cycles are. People get too excited. We build too many things. We get, holy crap, there's this massive undersupply. And then we pump way too many more and then, we go into a downturn. So um, you'll see that, I think, 2025-ish, we'll start to see that. But um, this is done, all of this data here is done by this guy called um, Matusik. He has this blog called Matusik Missive. Throw your email in there. Actually, I'll pop it in the group. Um, we have throw to, your um, email in there because we'll have to the get, stuff we'll have to well reach out to him if we get him on the show. If, if anybody knows Michael, um, I mean, I don't know if you, you've already tried, Joe. But get, have um, I? No. No, you haven't? Tried. haven't tried? Not like, like Chris Louis Christopher, mate. Tried about ten times. Anyway, we don't talk about the, the guests we try and reach out to. But um, now that's that's it's very interesting, isn't it? And and the other thing that that people maybe sort of underestimate, 
and, and throw your questions about any sort of property related things, people, because we'll get to those. We love questions. It, it gets, gets Joe more excited when you ask questions, particularly about house and land packages in Armadale. He loves those. No, he doesn't. In Armadale. Just, just, just to be clear, he does not love those. But no, so the thing about Matuzik and, and the building and the immigration is that people uh, people sort of start to buy probably three or four years after. They don't typically buy sort of straight away. So you're sort of starting to see now what will potentially happen. I'm not going to say that I'm I'm not going to put my wizard sort of econ- economist hat on because, but I'll just say I've, I've heard a lot of talking. Word on the street is that you sort of over in, in a couple of years' time, there'll be even sort of greater potential demand for what's happening. So if, if they, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I suppose the, the main constraint I, I sort of see is, is yes, you've got all this demand, but if people can't necessarily bring the money or if they can't um, get access to borrowing capacity, that's probably going to hold it back slightly. It's not going to say it's going to crash things, but that's going to be probably the main sort of main handbrake stopping people. And if if that if, if anything sort of, if they start to release that handbrake a little bit, then geez, who knows what could happen. Could be could be scary times, which all those people saying about affordable housing now will it'll really ramp up if that sort of plays out. But not to say property only goes goes up, but yeah, interesting uh, sort of demand drivers mm. that are going to come along. So, so good topic. I'm excited, mate. I'm I'm excited to talk about an area that a lot of people are uh, interested in. Um, this uh, the the area that we want to kind of do not too much of a deep dive into is is Townsville. So I bet you're hearing a whole heap of stuff about Townsville. Um, we're going to deep dive into that. We're going to talk about the types of assets that you can buy. Anyway, we've banged on enough. Let's let's jump into this thing and um, kind of dive deep into it. But before that, there's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared, especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent. It's a scary thought but it is a skill that can be taught. Do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there, buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up? Scott Agat, the founder and expert property negotiator at Hello House, has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. Got to actually join. Hey, that's it. Very manual. So, an interesting. Now that you've you've the um, the cat is out of the bag. You've mentioned the area, which means that people, I suppose, are good. Let's see. So, right. I'm interested to answer this question. We'll, we'll get into a question, then we will intro who we are. Rebecca asked, "What is the average or even guesstimate of insurance cost for a 500k house in Townsville?" That's always my concern. So, you can sort of somewhat estimate two, it by two thousand to three thousand. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So that 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 is 
and and the other thing that people talk about with Townsville is the is the council rates. They say, oh, you know, it's higher, it's higher. It's, and I'm not saying that it isn't higher, but the thing that people don't may not factor in. Oh, it is higher, yeah. But they do factor in water rates. So I don't know about your your water, Joe, but um, my water's probably I think it's gone up to like 400 bucks a quarter or something. I think that's how they charge it. So yeah, so 400. You, you think of that. So you factor in some of that water usage charge in there. So I'm not going to say that, that that's the reason you should buy there, but another interesting comment. Mate, mate of mine has been buying in Townsville for the last, he has up to, he liked it so much he moved up there. Jeez, there we go. All these anecdotes. He liked it so much he moved up there. What a legend. I Greg. actually, Thanks, friend. go Greg. Thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, I have, uh, yeah, so uh, – <laughs> Very generic saying two to three thousand dollars. That's a very fair. That's a very fair point. Um, it depends. The answer is it depends. But that's kind of what you should be aiming aiming for. Um, there is Shore Insurance. Um, not that we're a bloody insurance provider. Shore used to be very competitive. Um, I'm starting to see that their rates are not as good anymore. Um, they might like everyone's. It's just like mortgage broking, right? Their policies change. They start you know, going for these, going for this. Amy, I would be checking Shaw, Amy, and Suncorp. Um, those are the three that that I use um when I'm when I'm buying property and that's what I kind of check out. Um so I would be aiming to pay two to three two to three thousand dollars in insurance. And once it starts to get above four, nah, it's kind of getting a bit unaffordable. And it means that your property is probably in a flood zone, which you definitely, definitely need to avoid. Um yep. but yeah. uh yeah. There we go. So tonight, let's. Um, I'll introduce for those people who don't know. I've, I've actually got something pre-prepared, so I wrote it out. So oh, wrote it out. Jesus. And, yeah. So I've just copied it from a previous session. But who, for those people who don't know, Joe. So he's a company's professional with over thirteen years. Maybe it's fifteen years now. Probably since I've written this. Sales research and negotiation experience with prop prop tech. I'm going to call it prop legal tech or whatever it is. Um, active <laughs> investor with a with, with his own. I've just created a new industry. Well done to me. With a multi-million dollar portfolio, but your passion is, is about in, investing um, and, and you, you look to become a real estate agent and, and now you are the, the co-owner and, and founder of one of Australia's largest, or probably Australia's largest, I don't know, Oz Property. That's us. And and you're head of research director of Property Principles. I think that's your title, isn't it? What are you, head of research? Or what's what's your title? Uh, please, isn't just, it? Just you do run something. The thing. Run you the business. Property. Yeah. Buy property every day. No, every yeah, single so day. You, I don't you do a lot of deals. Do a lot yeah, of deals. So Wheel and deal. Sure. That's me, mate. And, and Who is Jeff Miles? Jeff Miles is the co-founder of Australia's largest property investment forum on Facebook, Oz Property Investors. He is previously a mortgage broker, a man that doesn't mess about. He runs property developments. Um, he uh, does renovations. And uh, he also... Um, Helps make it happen um, in the property world. You are property <laughs> yeah, you through and through. I, 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 didn't, I didn't prepare anything because I didn't think we were pumping each other's tyres up. But I hope your tyres are now pumped, mate. You're a very smart boy. You know property in and out. You have spoken to hundreds of investors and you know your shit when it comes to property investing. So anyway, let's cut to the chase. What are we talking about so, here? Where's the value? Yeah, there's, there's value every day, every day of the year in property. But um, no, so for, first up, I'm gonna we'll, we'll smash through this admin because although there's a whole, you should absolutely sort of consider these tips. But I wanted to wanted to get on board and talk to 
and you can sort of share your experience throughout this as well, Joe, but I want to talk to the, some of the key members of your property team, which the first one is your mortgage broker. So I think it's probably the most critical person. Uh, some people may argue against that. Some people may say the BA, but I don't know. The BA hmm. is only relevant if you can get money um, and and you can you can probably do the, I don't think going to a bank is as effective as as buying your own property as well. So I think for me, the broker has to be the, the person. So what, what can he do in 2024 to help you to, to continue to optimize your investing, Joe? What do you, what do you think are the answers to this question? Um, I don't know. Pretty on the bus. I mean, I could, I could tell you the, th the answers, but maybe you should well, ask yeah. me that one. What is, what is the answers? So the answers. So first <laughs> off, because I well, you knew one of the answers that you did it yourself. You do it yourself. But I saw, yeah, I saw this the saying. other day. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> actually absolutely contact. If you haven't contacted your lever to the, yeah, well, I don't know about that. That's That could be a bit dangerous. It's probably Hayden. It sounds like something Hayden would say. He's, he's trolling us. But no, so you, um, you, you uh, I saw it in the group the other day. Somebody reduced their interest they're paying by 0.8%, I think it was, or something like that, which is just absolutely amazing because the, the amount that could potentially add to your borrowing capacity by reducing how much you're sort of paying you sort of throw that into the calculator depending on how much it is that can that can really sort of add sort of tens of thousands to your borrowing so that's probably the easiest yeah, that's, there you go, that's such a massive massive thing i um i got a call actually from the C from cba they reached out to me last week saying joe by the way yeah we just want to talk about your portfolio and we want to go through everything and yeah. um I, bet, I, I didn't ask I've you to busy. put details into a computer there, Joe. They didn't ask you to like no. for your passwords or anything. Hopefully not. Mm, not. Hopefully not. Don't check your bank account. No. You could be in trouble. No, no. We did the phone. They have like a, an app on the phone and they're like, oh, I just sent you a thing on the app. So I was like, oh, that's got to be legit. And uh, he's like, great. Let's just review. Let's just go through your properties and go through the interest rates. And I have an interest. I refinanced a property and I'm paying 7.5% interest. And I, I've just been lazy. I just done anything with it and yeah. uh as i said it i'm like man i've had this for six months why have i not refinanced it's not a problem i can refinance it idiot what am i doing that would open up a large amount of borrowing capacity for me so really it's just jump on the phone with the lender and mm. have a chat with them um we actually made um we actually we made that well we made this little thing Wonder. with with aaron rybauer i just prop popped it into the the chat there scroll down to the bottom and it's about how to do exactly this how do you negotiate with the bank um to get the absolute best interest rate um so yeah i, I need to do that um they called me but now i've spoken to my broker because the broker can get a better rate for me so i would do both have a chat with the bank direct yeah lazy tax yeah that's a great point that's exactly what it is yeah, lazy tax go. don't be lazy so, so when you are going off and trying to borrow get your house in order yeah, that's the. Uh, that's there one of the. More yeah, definitely is. Man. I mean, oh. yeah, yeah. If if you're look if, if if you're comfortable with with doing so, have a chat to your broker and, and understand what recasting. Which we've talked about this probably a couple of times. It's good to re sort of bring up what recasting your loan term means is is going for. I mean, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying you shouldn't mm. go and chat to your broker or the credit license folks. Um, but let's just say you've you've had this mortgage for for eight years. You've been paying it down. And you, and, and you sort of, I mean, maybe interest only for some of it as well. But now you sort of say, okay, great. I want to go and buy my second, my third, my fourth, whatever property you're looking to buy. Go and sort of see, okay, if, if you reset that to 30 years and say, and but still keep the same loan amount, 
what that'll that'll drop you. And yes, what that will do though is it will increase the amount of interest you pay over the life of the loan, or probably will, depending on unless you offset it. So it's not all sort of sunshine and rainbows, but you sort of see and look what that can potentially do for your borrowing capacity. That could be that could be the difference between you buying that next property and all that sort of stuff. So I would suggest if if you want to if you're saying, oh look, I'm tapped out from borrowing capacity, or you're going to the next. Uh, yeah, I mean that's refinancing, recasting the loan term. Yeah, that's and you may need to go through a a sort of loan application with that as well, which which does mean you have to submit paperwork and all this sort of stuff. So it is a bit of effort. You have to do it, but I suppose that's the if, if people want to get um into get further in their property investing, sometimes you have to do that do the things that are hard or, or not hard, but just annoying. So yeah, yeah. that's another. But also. I mean, on the negotiation of your rate side of things, you can just um, have a conversation with the with the bank that you're with, um, which is exactly what that script is we've given you. Or you can just chat to other banks and say, hey, guys, um, you know, some people exactly like the um, finance, uh, the insurance side of things. If they're keen for new, new people to jump on board, they'll have better incentives for, for newer people. So you might have a chat with uh, CBA and um, ANZ and they might have different rates for you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. recasting. I, can, I, can go on, I think that's probably what else for what else for brokers. What other kind of tips can we do from the broking side? Obviously, reduce your expenses. Um, if you have any credit cards, um, rather than having a twenty thousand dollar limit, yeah, I only pay a thousand dollars every single month, but the bank counts that twenty thousand dollars as the usable money that you have got access to. So automatically, that reduces your your um, borrowing capacity by like what is it one to three or one to four. So if it's twenty thousand yeah, dollars, something like that, it's like eighty thousand dollars of borrowing that you don't have access to. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great one. And I think on that, we'll sort of finish off the last point. I'll say is is really sort of get strategic around your your sort of lending moving into. It's kind of like when people say they're going to go to the gym and get fit, get financially fit at the start of twenty twenty four, and stay financially fit as well. Because the, the thing you and what I'm what I mean by that, what that looks like in in reality, if if you've sort of been taking, if you've been sort of spending more towards the back end, just just getting Christmas sort of, if you're looking to buy in sort of the first part of 2024, really kind of really um, get strategic around the way you're spending your money. Because if if they sort of if you declare an expense of what two thousand bucks a month or whatever or two and a half, and and you're actually spending sort of five or six, and the bank actually sort of look through that they'll say well hang on a minute we're going to apply your spending at this amount rather than the amount you've actually declared they may do that so so just be just be cognizant of that and they can they can actually look back at least around a month's bank statements and maybe even longer so really fact and plan plan if you're so saving up a deposit make sure you're able to show that it's there's genuine savings not just sort of a big lump sum from the bank as well so there's sort of yeah someone's someone's jumped in here about car loans now being the ex-broker, I know it's been been a little while since you were, but um, is that the same for car loans? Um, so as car it loans, is for credit cards? yeah, yeah. I mean, car loans—they'll actually they'll just factor in the monthly repayment. Like, so if you're if you're paying, I don't know, some type, I, w- I would see people with a car loan repayment of eight hundred bucks a month, and they, that just gets factored in as an expense. So that that's right. that's probably it's probably actually worse than a. Um, so with with um, with credit cards went up from my understanding, and this could have changed, but they would take three percent of the of the limit. So as you say, you had a a twenty percent twenty k credit card. They do they do three percent of that, which is let's say what's that? Uh, maybe it's more than that, ninety bucks. Maybe it's more than ninety bucks a month. That doesn't seem right. A bit more than that. 
Um, no, it's 60 bucks a month. So it would be more than that. Maybe it's, yeah, but they, they would factor in a percentage of how much the credit card limit is. But the car, the car loan, though, literally, that is, a, that is a repayment. And HEX as well. HEX is another one. That could be an absolute killer. Like if you're earning over a certain amount. So yeah, sit down with your broker and actually get them to, to factor in. Because if you've got cash there. So how um, do we know if we've got a good broker? Like what are some of the things um, we can get from, like how do we, how do we, what are the questions that I need to ask a broker to find out if they're actually a good one or a bad one? Like an investment savvy, you hear it all the time. Yeah. So the, and there's no, it's more of an art than a science show. I, I'm not going to say I've, I've cracked the broker code, but for me, I want to understand what, what they, what they sort of specialize in, like what sort of lending they do because, and, and a broker will hopefully most brokers will be upfront and honest about this. Like there's no, like if a broker says, oh yeah, I've helped my clients get sort of portfolios of five properties or 10 properties. If they've sort of, if they actually have done that, it'll, if they haven't done that and they say they're doing it, it'll become apparent very quickly because they, they won't be able to, like the, the type of things that you want to hear them sort of speaking about is they, they want to sort of, you want to talk strategy with them. You want to say, okay, well, how are you, which lenders are we going to? Like first off, you go to sort of hardest lenders to usually typically the big four banks. So they'll say, and, and if any broker watching this, maybe you could sort of seal this sort of conversation point. And then they'll sort of say, okay, look, then we'll attack the, the second tier lenders like your, your Bank of Queensland's, maybe your Bank West, because they're sort of, they're owned by CBA. Um, your Macquarie's, which they're kind of first tier, second tier, your ANs, AMPs, those kind of lenders next up because they'll have uh, generally sort of better borrowing capacity. So you go to those and and so you sort of want to, you want to hear them sort of talking about how they're going to get you to property free, property four and, and sort of understanding all that sort of thing. And if they can't articulate, I mean, I didn't articulate all that well there, but hmm. but let's just, if they can't articulate that very clearly, how they're going to get you to to achieve your goals, then I think they're probably not the broker for you. So they should be able to to demonstrate hmm. that. That's kind of my key key take yeah. key tip. Yeah, I'd also I'd also think about how I found the people. Um, like not to say that you, like we run a we run a Facebook group that's about property investing, right? If there is a broker in there that is constantly commenting and talking about it, in sh like investment investments and that kind of stuff they may be someone worthwhile talking to and having op having an open conversation with because there's brokers my first broker that i ever went to i didn't end up buying through him i don't think um was just uh, yeah it was just a rams a rams home loan it was in my it's in cronulla i walked in i said g'day how's it going i want a loan and he's like oh mate i'll talk to all you about investment properties there's some great ones up here here and here and i was like wow it sounds like you know what you're talking about and then um and uh, he didn't have a clue. Um, terrible investment advice. And that's actually another point is um, <laughs> some brokers, like, yeah, stick stick to your, let your experts be the expert in what they're an expert at. Um, there's a lot of people that are like accountants that are like, go ahead and buy this property because it's going to save you on tax and house, you know, it's a great house and land. It's going to give you all this depreciation. It's like, no, no, that's, that's, a, terrible, that's a terrible investment advice for a, a lot of people some people at work does work out for i'm not you know i don't want to um disparage you know accountants or anything like that but they're not experts in property investing like go okay. to your broker for broking advice your accounting for accounting advice and your legal for legal advice and all three of them are going to say three three different things about it so it's just trying to marry up the expert with what they're an actually an expert Go. in we're at 25 minutes, man. You said you weren't going to have enough content. So I'm going to, I was ready to sort of wrap on next topic. So let's, let's get, let's quickly get to, 
property managers. I'm going to, I love accountants, but we're going to have an accountant on next week. Um, so he is the accountant to watch, Jeremy Ian Mazzelli. Check him out or check us out next mm. week. But um, the property manager, so what sort of things should you be doing with your property manager? Do you want me to sort of talk this as well? Do you want to ask this question to me? Like how are we run this, this part of again? Sure, sure. How do you choose your property manager? What do you think? How do you think about property managers, mate? So it's interesting because a lot of people, I, I've sort of changed my views on this and um, because a lot Ooh. of people used to say, oh, yeah, and I used to think it as well, is that you should have, like you should look at how many properties they're managing. And I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of common sense, right? Like if they're managing 200 properties, then, then they're probably managing too many. Like you want the number to be less, so they're prioritizing yours. I kind of think if they've got a really sort of solid process, because you could have, a, you could have a, an average property manager managing 50 properties, and just not have really tech enabled sort of really sort of switched on processes and somebody who's managing 150, but is very clear and, and very kind of streamlined and has a great team around supporting them. I think I would go with that person with 150, but has clear processes, good, great technology, all that sort of stuff. Whereas the person who's 50 and, and may not have maybe sort of still using, I don't know, just emails rather than a, a property me, which is not a great sort of platform anyway, but it's probably better than most, but yeah, so that's kind Every, of the way everyone's sort of... using. Everyone's using Property Me now. Like they're all using yeah. Property Me. So it's got to be something better, though, isn't it? Surely. No, it's shocking. Uh, shocking platform. I mean, it does what it needs to. Very, very basic. I guess they don't need it anymore. Um, but I would kind of push back on that because if it, I think 150 is about the limit um, of yep. what you want your property manager to do, because if they're if it, someone's renting, sorry, managing 200 properties. There's no way you can successfully have a communication with vendors, tenants, and do all of that stuff. So ideally, you would be looking for someone that that has a rent roll of less than 150 per person. So if there's if there's three people in the business, you know they've 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 got um what's that 450 people. Um, but there will be some admin staff. So you you know there's also like property managers. How many per property manager? Um. And then purely it's just communication. Tell me about this area. What about this suburb? What are What is the typical demographic for this type of property that I'm looking at? My budget is four hundred to 500000 What would you buy? Um, what type of person would I want to attract? What are the things that I need to add to this property to be able to attract the right people um, that, that fit the demographic? Because these people are experts in this area. And if they don't have the answer for you, then you're just wasting your... Um, you're just wasting your time with them. And then what think, is your process? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's great, uh, the process bit. Um, but I think I pushed back a little bit on the what what, what would you sort of, what area would you invest in or what would you do with my, my yeah, budget of 400 true. or 450? But, but it's more around like what I would ask that, I mean, I think you what you probably meant, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is what kind of, what would I be expecting in this area or what would I be, what would I be looking at with my budget of 450? Like if I'm going to go and look at Rockingham, if I'm going to look at Townsville, if I'm going to look at Geelong, if I'm going to look at these areas, what kind of and and that's my budget of 450. So I'm probably going to buy in Carrio. What is the tenant? What are the tenants likely going to be like in these in these areas? And use that then yeah. as a data point to then correlate. But no, I, I don't I don't mind. It's a good question to ask to sort of see what they're saying. Yeah. Also, it doesn't like a lot of people, a lot of good property managers that I know. They just say, I don't know. I don't know the price. I don't know how much Honestly. the sales is. I don't care about that. What I care about is getting better rents and doing that. Um, so that's a very important thing to uh, chat to. It's like, don't get too hung up on the price side of things of purchasing. That's not their expertise. 
you've got to become the area expert and you want to understand the area so you can become an area expert. Say, what are the areas that I can should be avoiding? What are the go-to areas and what are we um, doing? And um, yeah, on the optimizing with a property manager, because I um, because I promised we'd talk about optimization, and then we'll get on to how to how to buy in a hot market, because I think that's that's going to be a juicy and saucy topic. But um, the thing I, I was chatting to a couple of friends, and and one in particular sort of said, because I said to him, I, I was chat, we we're chatting him over a vino, a wine or two, maybe a bottle, but um, we won't. Who's the judge? So what what and what I was saying to him, because he's got a couple of properties, and I said, how is like how's your rental, how's your rents going in this in this sort of with your investment? And he sort of said, yeah, it's going well. Like, and I said, how much is it running for? And he said, oh, this amount. And I said that, and this is in sort of uh, a suburb of Sydney. And I said that sounds a little a little bit low. Like, and I just thought. I thought let's jump on. I'll jump on realestate.com and just type in the rent sort of section. And and fair enough. Uh, funny enough, it was probably about eighty to a hundred bucks. There were similar properties, like many similar properties, not just one or two. We're talking most of them were renting for sort of a good between sixty and and a hundred bucks more than what than what my friend was getting rent for. And I just thought, wow, man, like you've really and and because what a, what some property managers may do, and I don't want to. It's a tough job. It's not an easy job. Sometimes you just want to make it and make the job a little easy. They'll simply keep tenant in place to just to make their rather than increasing rent to then risk losing that tenant. So that was rather than rocking the boat, they'll just sort of say, "Oh, we'll increase it by 20, 30 bucks." And I think that could be sort of thousands of dollars over a year that you're missing out on as a as a landlord. Which with rising interest rates, we've had what fifteen of them now. So in the last or since the first one, so. I think it's it's that's vital true. that you sort of understand. So yeah, that's that's a tip to optimize. That is a that's a solid uh, that's a solid tip. Um, just get on top of the market yourself. I I had the same I had the same concern actually two days ago when I was chatting with the the, the guy or was whatever it was last week, um, and I'm like, oh, I haven't been keeping on top of my property. I haven't been keeping on my mortgage rates, and I haven't been keeping on top of my property uh, rentals. And then I went on to the market, had a look at it. I, I can't up it. My rent's already at its highest peak. So yeah, that's another one to to kind of stick to. Um, yeah, and also ask them: Will you inspect a property for me? Um, can you inspect mm-hmm. a property? How does that work? Uh, because you're going to be most likely, if you're a property investor, a lot of people. We have a lot of people from Sydney and Melbourne. Um, you're probably not going to be in. Um, what's the chance that the area that you you live in right now is the absolute best place to be buying an investment property for your brief right now it's probably not so um you're going to be interstate so you're going to need to you know be able to inspect a property so hey mr property manager what happens can you inspect a property for me but you also have to sell them to say look i am willing i am ready to buy which is kind of what we're going to talk to about um with deals uh, what is that the next topic? What's the next topic, Jeff? It is, it is Joe. I was just seeing some of the there's some been some great questions come through. Somebody always talking about what was the Gary, what was the Gary using everyone after whining about it? Um, also broken link. I <laughs> just sorry, I'm reading through some of the comments. But Joe, next thing we are going to talk about is is top tips for actually securing. Well, you, you wrote actually securing in a hot market. So I'm gonna let you kind of this is your thunder, this is your um sort of this is your baby, Joe. So you 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 take the wheel on this one, mate. What do you what do you kind of what do you what do we need to what are the top tips for securing in a hot market, which is still going to be probably pretty hot in a lot of areas in 2024? So what do we need to do? What moves do we need to make? Yeah, the market isn't cooling down, and also you don't want to be buying in the a market that's at the absolute bottom. So it might be easier to buy a property right now, yeah, you know, in these bottom markets, but you also want to start to see some demand 
pushing the prices up. So generally speaking, you're going to be always buying in a market that's got it's got a little bit of heat into it, which is what you want. You want to push those prices. Um, but it's very, very challenging right now. And I see a lot of property investors just um, give give up. Like, I mean, you know, I run the, 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 the buyer's agency and I speak to a lot of clients that are like, Hey Joe, we've been listening to Oz Property. We feel like we got a grasp of it, but we just can't buy anything. We haven't got access to any off markets. We haven't got any time. It takes a lot of energy, effort, blah blah blah. But it's like, well, what have you been doing? Well, I just look at the price on real estate and I bid thirty thousand dollars less for that. I'm like, well, is it worth that? Well, I don't, I don't know. Um, so really, it's getting crystal clear on one. Uh, your brief. What is the thing that you're actually going to be able to buy? And even before that, speaking to your broker, speaking to your property manager, well, maybe speaking to your broker, get your finance in, in line. Have you got pre-approval in place? Because agents do not want to deal with some brand new investor that has no idea or hasn't got finance and hasn't got a clue. So the first thing you say is, hey, my name's Joe. I see you've got a property listed, um, 123 Smith Street. Um, I'm looking at it from an investment perspective. What can you tell me? And then they're going to say one of two things. One, they're going to say, what do you want to know? Which I don't like um, because that's an open-ended question, um, but uh, they're good at asking questions. I like it when they say, blah, 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 blah. This property is amazing. This is the best thing ever. All of that kind of stuff. Um, so they then start to talk to why it's such a great investment property. Um, I feel like I'm going, I feel like I've gone off. Um, no, no, no. I, I think, I think you sort of in, in anecdotally, there is some absolute sort of gold there because you sort of, it's, it's sort of about extracting and that sounds a funny way of putting it or understanding or gathering as much information as you can. And, 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 and I think, if you're asking those sort of open questions and, and a lot of the time, what, what do you, so what you'll sort of find is you'll start to understand or unpack the, the, the sort of the story behind the property that you're looking at. And I think that's absolutely yeah. vital. You can, I, I was talking to this about somebody today. You sort of, it's, it's almost for me, it feels like a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. Like you and the agent, are, are, are sort of, I mean, I'm not saying you, they're not your friend. They're not trying to necessarily help you, but mm. you're, they're trying to find the buyer and you're trying to buy a property. And and you've got sort of pieces of this puzzle, and if if you yeah. sort of complete that puzzle, for me that then means you're able to buy the property. So whereas if you can't find or can't put the pieces together in that puzzle, then somebody else is going to buy that property. Somebody else is going to complete that puzzle, secure and, and settle on the property. Probably one of the so, best analogies ever. That's I reckon that's your I reckon that's your best analogy ever. That's very well played. Uh, I think you're not much of an analogy man, but I think you nailed that analogy for sure. Um, but yeah, yes. Yeah, like that was a bit of a backhanded compliment as well, wasn't it? You shit at analogies, but you pulled out a pulled out a winner there. No, you're Getting not. Better. You're good. You're better. Yeah, get, you, that was great. Um, but uh, yeah, you do need you need to pull out. You just need to be the easiest person to buy off of, right? The easiest person to buy this product. Right now, there's this many buyers and this many sellers, so they've got a thousand buyers coming out the wazoo. All they want is a smooth, easy, quick efficient transaction, right? Um, so you just want to put yourself as that. Hey, my name is Joe. I'm a property investor. I am finance approved and ready to go. Um, so I'll just give you a list of some of the questions that that I ask, my, uh, ask when I'm chatting with an agent. So, hey, you've got this property. Tell me about it. If they don't tell me about it, like, great. Tell me how much would it rent for? You want to understand the rent? Um, 
you also want to chat to your property manager after the phone call and ask them what it would rent for because they're generally two different numbers. Um, what I find is property managers actually underquote the rent. So it might be at a six, you know, a 5.5% yield. But then when you speak to the PM, she's like, no, no, I'm really good at what I do. I'll get it at 5.8%. That's good. Mm -hmm. Are there any easements on the property? Um, is it in a flood zone? Obviously, you're doing these checks yourself. Um, another question is, while you're having this conversation, you're flicking through all the photos and you say, look, I'm, I'm looking at these photos and they're absolutely fantastic. What aren't I seeing? Um, what are some, some things that I'm going to pick up in an inspection? What aren't I seeing in here? Um, because I just don't want there to be any surprises. Well, Joe, just telling you actually the bathroom, you know, the bathroom tiles are cracked or, or something like this. Um, the next thing you want to talk about is is price. Um, what will give me the rundown? What What's the price? What's going to buy this thing? Um, because we want to come in. You want to move fast. So, hey, I've got finance approval. I know how much it rents for. I know the value of this thing. What is actually going to buy? Is is it possible to buy this thing today if the right offer came in, if a serious offer came in? Um, what can you tell me? that We, we want to buy it. How do we buy it today? Is would would you say before you start talking about price, Joe, would you talk about the the how they run their process first? Or would you would you kind of, I mean, it's somewhat interchangeable, but what, what, how do you kind of think about that? Because if you can understand their process and they say, look, or I suppose if you can, if you can buy the property then you can sort of start to then really talk to Turkey on the price, or you, you don't. You just talk price. You want to understand price anyway. But how do you kind well, of think about that? Well, Jen, I kind of bring it back up a couple of times the price side of things. Um, so just one to drop the price. Everyone, that's why we're here. If it's if it's a hundred thousand dollars less, then I'll buy it. Right? Like if it's fifty thousand, I'll still buy it. Um, so any there's just a number that sells it. So it's good just to talk about it. That's what we're here to do. Um, but then, yeah, you can you can then understand their process. So another one, the agent will be like, oh, look, we're only just kind of listing it and just trying to feel it out. Or it says like contact agent. And I'm like, I've contacted the agent. Tell me the price. Oh, it's 600 to 700. Great. Cool. Thank you. Very useless agent. Um, so the question that I pull out is what's the closest comparable that you have to stack this up against? Um, and they then like... And also, you just don't. Act, I feel like I said that very aggressively, but it's like, hey, I mean, you, you, you how long have you, you've been an agent for a while? I imagine you know the area incredibly well. How much do you think? Like, what's the closest comparable that you, you've seen that has sold recently? And they'll be like, ah, uh, well, there's this one at five forty that that um, has a nicer kitchen. There's this one at five thirty that that is a lot, you know, in a flood zone. Um, it's this, this, and this. So seriously, we should be expecting, you know, five forty to five fifty, like that that sort of range. Um, and and then you can come back around and ask the same question, but in a different way. Um, uh, yeah. The next thing is understanding the the settlement terms and the terms for the vendor, the terms for the real estate agent. Uh, sorry, the the vendor of what they're selling. Um, so many people undersell and just don't ask about what terms are accepted. They think, hey, we want the quickest settlement possible, or they want no, no. For me, I want a ninety day settlement. Well, it doesn't matter what you want. It's about trying exactly like what Jeff was saying, that those puzzle pieces, 90 day doesn't fit. Move that offer away. I, uh, you know, uh, 14 day finance doesn't fit. Move it away. So Make it a um, seven day or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever you need to. Make it, a, make it a seven day. So, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, because it's really, um, it's particularly I find it's where an owner-occupier is selling. That's particularly in the current market where listings are, are quite low across the country. 
and and I, I I get I get very interested when the, not very interested it sounds really really weird but I, I get more interested when when a, when they say when the agents when an agent says to me oh it's a it's an owner occupier because I'm like okay cool was a are they have they sort of what what's a what are the next move like what's their plan like and just understand and some of the times they sort of say oh look they're they're sort of downsizing or they haven't they're upsizing or whatever reason and and then you say okay cool is there do they are they they haven't found something yet, so they need a longer settlement. Do they want to rent back? And and you can sort of start to say you can you can gather these these data points that then if if the if the price is right, then you can sort of really sort of package up your offer and and make it the most appealing. Because sometimes then somebody else who doesn't ask that question may then sort of offer five or ten k more, but but you may you may actually win. Only God made shit happen in seven days. <laughs> but didn't you say that actually? Then you make it six, six days and then you, yeah, and he had to chill. No. He had to yeah. chill. Uh, but but no. we got finance in one day um, from, from what was it, Macquarie? Was it Macquarie? Yeah. They probably yeah, would have got it in, yeah, because they would have. They, they have man, Macquarie's a smart bank. They're really smart. Like they've got AI, or not AI, maybe not AI, but they've got sort of, if you fit their criteria, it flows straight through. If you don't fit it, they, they, they decline. They know, they know, the t- and this is where I know what they want. The you need to know which lenders you're going to and which criteria you fit and which you don't. But Joe, yeah, on to you. Okay, so speed. Frank okay. it up. So, just to to, to re recalculate recalibrate this offer thing, um, speed is the most important thing. You are someone that is finance approved and ready to move fast, and you want to put the pressure on them to say, "Hey, my name's Joe. I'm a property investor. I'm willing to pay a fair and reasonable price for this property. When can I see it? When can I inspect it? What are the terms that your vendor wants? Well, the vendor wants a sixty day." property are they open to it do they want to rent back like is that going to help like grease the wheels a little bit is that going to help things along because you're trying to be someone that is giving the vendor what they want um so give them what they want um and then start going back into the price and start drilling down so great so if we inspect so when can we inspect it can we inspect it this afternoon like i had that conversation today great can i inspect this property um at 4 p.m are you around? Where are you? What are you doing? Let's get this done. You're trying to sell it. I'm trying to buy it. Let's move fast. Um, if you're not comfortable in doing the due diligence, you need to be. You need to be crunching about 100 deals before you find that golden deal. There's there's typically three phases of due diligence. Phase one is finding it online, getting some basic information on it. Phase two is diving a little bit deeper and doing like some real checks, flood zones, easements, encumbrances all of that kind of stuff, get the contract. And then the third phase is once you have it under offer, which is your paid due diligence. So you want to um, have your pest and building go through, but you just like, you should be getting, if you're not putting forward offers, you're not making money. So put forward offers, you're just not going to get away with stupid offers, Um, but have a look at what's sold around the area. Uh, And then the other thing to understand the real purchase price of what a property is worth right now. I think I've said this a hundred times, call up, not the agents that are in the sold section, call up the properties that are under the under offer section because it takes about two to three months for those properties to transition into sold. So that is not seven the real numbers. Seven days. Because soon seven as it's under conditional, it's <laughs> sold. Seven days. Oh, also do a 14-day, do a, fi- a seven-day finance. And you're going to say, no, Joe, you can't. Your broker will say no. Great. Get the property under contract under seven days. And then, sorry, guys, the finance isn't through. I'll extend it for another seven. The the agent is never going to get a deal under contract and say, well, by the time we list it online and do all of that stuff, 
So that's not not financial advice, but uh, I'm sort of grimacing a little bit. No, I'm not grimacing. I'm grimacing because there'll, there'll be there'll be people out there that will take that, and then and then the agent will say, "Well, no, go and get go and get stuff." Like we've got somebody who's a cash buyer now, so yeah, that's why I sort well, of I grimace a little bit. Of that, takes, but no, I, I do risk. tend to agree. Like if if they they're sort of pot committed, and it's it's probably just harder for them to go to somebody else. So if you sort of say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm a couple, I'm a day or two away from getting this finance," and you actually genuinely think that rather than just saying it like if you just pull that sort of out of your backside and and then you take 14 more days to get finance that's really going to piss the agent off um so on, on that sort of have you finished show or should i no you go man when you're talking about have a good point so on that sort of point the other thing i think that is underrated is, is actually communicating and joe's alluded to this and keeping in touch like he alluded to this he said look you've got to got to sort of move fast and all that sort of stuff and part of that is actually sort of if you don't like a property or if you're not going to buy it, actually just have the courtesy to either give them a call or at the very least flick them a text and say, look, sorry, uh, for at this, I've looked at the looked at the comps or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't stack me at this one. Let's 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 look at the next one. Like I'm keen to sort of do a deal. Like let's but at least then they know they're not sort of they're not they're not holding out for you to to come back to them. They probably won't anyway. But at least then yeah, you, you sort just... of you kept Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you just reminded me. I didn't text an agent gave me an off-market deal and it didn't stack up. And always, yep. always reply back, hey, thanks for sending me that. Too expensive. Um, doesn't fit yep. my brief. Thank you very much. Um, just respectful. Because what nothing worse than calling five, because they're gonna have a list of, you know, 25 people, and then they call five of them. Oh, I'm not interested anymore. Oh, I bought something else, blah, 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 blah. If you just tell them no, I'm not. I'm not a lead whatsoever. Oh, thank you so much. Like, great. I'm not going to call you and waste my time on you. Um, so actually, I just broke my own rule. I broke that rule. <laughs> I need to. No, no, you got you got to it. I reminded you. But no, I, I think what what we're sort of what we're alluding to of all these kind of little little tips and moves, as we're sort of saying, is you have to absolutely be prepared. If you're not prepared, then it's going to be increasingly hard, or at least as hard as it was in 2022, 2023, to buy a property. Like you, you'll be one of those people who's you're still looking after sort of two to three to four or five months or whatever it, whatever it ends up being. Like you, it's sort of it is very competitive out there. So you need to sort of think of those one percenters that that are going to get you be able to get you across the line. Find those sort of gem of deals where you say, look, I got to buy this, and I'm not going to buy this, but I am going to buy this today. I'm going to make it happen. I'm comfortable. Here's here's my sort of offer. Put it in, sort of put it all, make it nice and easy. Put your details in there in an email. And so they can just docu sign it across to you. You can get it get it vetted by your conveyancer. Line up your conveyancer. Get like get it all sorted before, and think about the process before you do it. Because if you sort of stuff around too much, there's probably already three or four other people that have already decided they're going to buy that property, and they'll and that first come first serve, like best in first come best dressed kind of thing. Yep, yeah. If you're easy to deal with, that's that's what they want. Um, also, a little trick that I probably don't want to spread around the spread around the world too much is not that not that we do this but um you can get a property under contract at a very attractive price and then go in the pest and building and find some issues um you know I've I've done that previously with one of my purchases it it looked I got a an agent walkthrough video and I always get my own inspections um like external you need an external party going in do not trust the agent inspection video but what I did is I I got my this is my own personal property so I do take a little bit more risk on things. Um, the agent did the walkthrough and I was like, perfect. I'll buy this property for what was it three hundred and three hundred and ten. Um, done. Here's the contract. I'll sign it. I'll have a fourteen day pest and building. And this video, 
um, just missed all of the bad stuff. So I'm like, hey, I just did the Peston building. You didn't show me this. 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 I want 30000 This place is a knockdown. I want $30,000 off. And uh, back and forth, back and forth. Anyway, they agreed to the $30,000 off and we bought it for $280,000. That was that little Renault project we, we spoke about. Um, yeah. But but that's because we didn't we weren't aware of those things. So you can do those type of things on the on the pest and building. But if the if the contract comes back clean and the pest and building reports fine, you obviously can't you know negotiate on those things. So don't go don't go in expecting. Uh, you should go don't, in don't, expecting don't, zero. Don't don't create or don't fabricate issues. I think because that that will that will just annoy everybody. It'll annoy the vendor, annoy the agent, um, and it'll probably annoy your conveyancer as well because then your conveyancer's got to somehow sort of yeah, chat to the other side. So everybody will get annoyed and you'll just, yeah, you'll become uh, public. Anyone public else got any, what, what else is, what are other people's top tips for buying in a hot market? Um, process. Do love, do love some top tips, some TTs. What are your, what are your top tips? Um, essentially, the way I look at it, look at it is the people that's, Joe, you mean the agent would just miss the meth lab out the back as a mistake? They it's selective recording. Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. It's got commercial commercial on the back. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, go to the people that supplied the thing, real estate agents. Also, a little another top tip: know your area. That's a great that's a great tip. So you you know what stuff mm-hmm. is worth. Another thing that I really like to do is go onto real estate, look at the last sold in the last six months and filter it by uh, lowest amount of money to largest amount of money. And what you'll start to see is a trend of agents who are not, you know, the cleanest and crispest. They are the ones that are selling the properties cheap. They need to become your best friends. You need to be dealing with the dodgy agents that are a little not as good as the top tier ones because when you invert it and you look highest to lowest, you'll start to see the super... You know, you start to see the same people, and then you'll see the same people in the lower end. So those are the agents that you want. Um, ah, here's a good oh, tip. Shit. Bad, Bad good, good tip. tip. Just pay just pay him, just pay them more than others. Um, Was that a good? I mean, that it's, it's to be honest, it's funny. You know, I talk about that renovation project we did. We bought it for two hundred and eighty. We renovated, spent twenty grand. It went to three hundred and sixty. It's now worth. Uh, 550 since 2019. Um, should it, like, why didn't I just buy it at 310 and not need the rent? Well, actually, it was three. Why did I not just buy it at 360 and scrap doing the reno? Right? Like, if you're buying in a good area, you don't really need to do the work. You just need to be buying in a good area that has good, good fundamentals and is gonna is gonna grow. So, uh, yeah, that's you know, it doesn't have to be a renovation. It doesn't, but uh-huh. it does help you release equity to go again for the next one and and move and accelerate your journey. So another another question that we love to ask Joe is is if you oh, do yeah. if you do chat to an agent and and they sort of said it does it you sort of decided probably on that call that you that it's not going to stack or whatever. You say okay, or well, even if it even if you decide it does stack, you still ask them what other properties, what have you got coming up? And and now that's yes. that's like an absolute gold question. Like that's it's just the amount of properties mine. you can find by doing that yeah. and then sort of saying, and then you've already got the jump potentially on other people. And, and, and then you sort of, particularly if they're willing to let you know and then sort of get you inspected before it comes to the market. And that way you're sort of understanding, are you getting, getting the, the jump on a particular hot market? And you sort of say, okay, great. Let's, let's tee this up. Let's get it, get it inspected before it even like, when are you going to market? Like what's your process asking about that one? 
an understanding because that way you can you can potentially snag it before that's what's happening in, in some parts of perth i think which is yeah. why they're selling when they go on the market for one hour it's like i'm the offer <laughs> after 20 minutes it's like oh geez well, how did that how did that happen who inspected that in five minutes no. Yeah, it's relationships. It purely is relationships and getting being able to move fast. So these these agents, and also it's tough, right? Like if if you've only if you only do one deal, what's the likelihood you're going to become best friends with that agent? Like it's it's kind of tough. You need to yeah, you need to yeah, you need to build a good relationship with them. So so thank them, be be fast and be good. Um, there was one one thing that popped up that I I obviously we should have um should have noted is time pressure. Put a time limit on your offer. Example, um, $500,000 till 5 p.m. the next day. So I would I would say absolutely do that, but don't don't be um don't be silly about it um and say, hey, um, this offer's around until 5 p.m. tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh why? Uh because that's just the way it is, it's ending. Well, how about something a little bit more like Hey, just letting you know, Mr. Agent, it's what day is it? Wednesday today. Um, I'm inspecting a, I'm expecting, um, I'm inspecting a property that's going to open, that, that's going to. Sorry, I'm inspecting a property that's going to market. Um, the agent wants it sold tomorrow, or he's going to take it to market. So I want to buy it before they take it to market. I don't want him to release it tomorrow. So I need to inspect yours um, today and then be able to get that inspection done. So is that possible? The question to ask as well is: Is this even possible? Like. If I put this pressure, this time pressure to get this inspection done and the vendor wants to see three opens, I'm just wasting my time. Don't do not do it. But, uh, yeah, that is, um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of just, just sort of make, making sure that you're very clear what, what you what you want to do. Like so rather than sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, we'll go inspect it and then we'll sort of like making it clear that you want to buy this property. And if you can't do that, that's okay. Then you'll sort of then you'll put it maybe on the on hold list or the sort of to look at list if you haven't, and even sort of saying, hey, look, like I want to buy your property. However, if I can't buy it in in before, I want to I want to make sure I don't want to miss out on the other deal because if I miss out on the other deal, then who knows where something similar is going to pop up for me in in a low listing market. And you don't need to go to that extremity. You just kind of just short form it. So, Joe, what are we going to talk? Where, where are we going to go next? Are we going to talk to the type of deals, or is there anything we we didn't haven't covered in that yet, or? What do we? What do you think, Joe? I don't know. I reckon let's talk to the type of deals that are out there. So there are a couple of deals, like uh, types of deals for types of people as well. Um, so what we want to chat to is the type of deals that you should expect out there is the set and forget, the ugly duckling, the granny flat type of deals, and then subdivision and development. So how would you describe a? What about the renovated delight? Well, an ugly duckling and a renovator's delight. An ugly duckling is is something, yeah, and a renovator's delight, sure. I feel like they kind of two in the same. One is, what's the set and forget? And then we'll talk to ugly duckling. How would you describe an ugly uh, set and forget and who is it for? So set, set and forget for me, and I don't know. I, I haven't defined this clearly in my head, but I'm, I'm going to define it on the spot. So please forgive me. But no, so my my definition of a set and forget is something that you can you can move straight in today and, and you don't have to do any any work on it and it's gonna be sort of that's something that's not gonna not gonna require too much maintenance. So I'm not gonna we 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 sort of typically aren't fans of house and land, so brand new packages. You could throw that in there, but I'm gonna say something that's that's really sort of nicely done and this well maintained kind of property that's not gonna need 
I'm, I'm going to even say it's not even like you don't need to do a paint, you don't need to do a, a carpet, anything like that. All that's sort of ready. It's, it's sort of sort of schmick and you're not going to need to do any of that work in the next three to five years. Have I, yep. have I defined? I agree. I describe that. Oh, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, that is- uh, yeah, spot on. This is, this is what I would call a set and forget. Um, it's, it's fabulously styled. Um, which doesn't mean it's a set and forget property, but it's got a new kitchen, relatively new kitchen. Um, it's move. Package. It's a move-in ready house. Um, the walls Except are red. Except that old air conditioning in the bedroom. That, that looks like it's a. Um, if we go Where back. Is it? Go oh, back the bathroom. That's that's kind. That could do with a bit of an update. Oh, but this is nice. kind of absolutely nothing that you need to do. It's what is this? A four, a three bed. Um, oh, it's the most yeah, three, room three, three that. two was. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a prime example of what we would be, what we consider a, a set and forget type of property. Um, yeah, that's it. And do you Anything want to talk that? about who that's for, I suppose, and what it's sort of. Oh, so- good, good point. Who is it for? It's for people that don't have time, energy, or effort to want to be able to uh, jazz anything up. They just want to get a tenant in, get it rented move on um you you don't want to be dealing with fixing stuff up so this is an example of a property that that we actually we actually bought uh we paid in april 2023 we paid 683,000 um so now november it's 760,000 um this i think it was like day day it settled we already lined up a tenant in place and it worked a treat we had got a tenant in nothing else has happened you they are just there um doing the the capital growth doing the capital growth thing um the there's there's a little bit of renovation work that you could do but you don't really need to it is it is what it is actually it's listed as a four bed two bath um but on there it's got three yeah <laughs> nicotine yellow um what else to add to set and forget it's probably about it really i mean probably the the main the main con or, or probably who it isn't for um not mm. not to say that yeah you can't is is somebody who sort of really has to see capital capital growth or wants to force capital growth because whilst this originally was the free better that you the, there was uh, ultimately I think there there was a conversion to a to a four better which is probably why it was listed there as a four bed um, so there was some value added anyway that wasn't it is it is a set and forget but I think the if somebody wants to be able to extract equity sort of and you can extract equity from a buy and hold in, if you buy well, um, but but somebody who needs to sort of can't rely on the market or doesn't want to rely on the market, that's not for them. Like you need to then sort of pick something that needs a renovation that, that you can subdivide, that you can. Well, Granny Flat adds rental value. Um, I don't think it yep. really adds capital growth. Some people argue that it can. I, I don't really mm. think it does, but. Um, we'll, we'll sort of we'll agree to disagree with some people on that, um, but yeah, if you if you need to sort of yeah, so that's a con I think of a set and forget type property. So. Definitely, and I see it all the time where where um, people only have a eighty thousand dollar deposit and then they go and buy a set and forget property, and then they're out of the market. They've got to wait for the organic capital growth. Well, instead, why don't you do something that you can add a little bit of like here's here's an example of what I. I so this this is a nice bathroom, um, but this is kind of an ugly duckling type of property where it's got like a dated kitchen. Um, let's just pretend these carpets are a bit rough and the walls are a bit rough. It's actually probably not too much of an ugly duckling, um, but just older and you need to paint it, you need to do carpets. That's kind of what I would call an ugly duckling. 
um, something that just needs a, a little bit of work. Um, a renovation, maybe I'll pull up uh, <laughs> renovation one. Uh, actually, so what are the what's the pros of doing an ugly duckling for you, Jeff? What do you think? Um, I mean, to me, it means you need you will need to put money in sort of sooner than later. As in, you could yeah. probably rent it um, for the time being, um, but if it is once it is vacant, or if it is rented, it's probably fine. But before you move a tenant in, you probably should consider doing doing some work to it. If you like, you probably don't have to, but you should consider it. So you need to probably budget in. You probably need to do the paint and the carpet uh, at, at a minimum. So you're probably looking at ten to fifteen k, depending on where you are and and what kind of stuff you're getting in there. So that's probably the con is you need to outlay. And you probably need to sort of, if you're actually then, you need to sort of, is, is the cost justified or are you, like you need to sort of factor that into your sort of buy price as well, I'd say. So that's my yeah. sort of con. Like it's not and, a- and also also in hot markets, yeah, here's a prime example. Cosmetic fixes, paints, carpet, blinds. I think that that is probably the best way to describe ugly a, an ugly duckling. Um, but um, one thing to, to be wary of as well is as markets move and increase and get hotter, the the disparity but because what you want to see is this normal good looking property is 500,000 and ugly ducklings 440 there's a $60,000 difference there so i spend 20 grand and i get i get the difference but as markets those those benefits squeeze and you can start to they get closer and closer so um you don't want to overpay for a uh, for an ugly duckling um, it is very easy to do that. A full renovation. This is what we would consider a full renovation, where we're tearing out walls, um, tearing out kitchens, um, redoing all of this stuff, new carpets, and that's the paint. Um, uh, and just there you go. There's a new kitchen actually installed. Uh, it's all coming along. It's coming along really nice. But this is a proper proper renovation. It's going to cost uh, fifty thousand dollars to do all of that. But out of that, he's going to go. I don't know. Um, we bought it for five thirty. Put fifty grand in. It'll be worth close to seven. Um, so I'll do that deal every day of the week. But unfortunately, there's not many of them. <laughs> that's the hard part: finding those damn deals. You have to sort of understand. Yeah, and that's that's where going back to being being prepared. If you're if you're not prepared, you'd you'll just sort of see that and say, "Oh, look, you know, it's not it's not not worth the juice is not worth the squeeze." Like if you haven't sort of if you haven't understood what your brief looks like. You just say, oh no, it's too too hard, or you haven't thought about. Well, can I take on a Renault? Because if you can, there's there's potentially some some value to extract from from doing a deal like that. But again, you could sort of go into that exact same property, and it could end up selling for six hundred or six fifty, and and all of a sudden you're sort of thinking you can make money out of it when you're, you're going to be lucky to sort of add at least one dollar by doing the Renault. So you just need to be mindful that's probably the big drawback for me of that type of like a renovated delight you can you can, yeah. can potentially overcapitalize and not get your not get your value out another key one actually is knowing where to do it because there are some regional we're going to talk to townsville actually is a, i don't know how we're going to get time to go through it um and uh, uh but the thing is with townsville it's incredibly difficult you cannot do a renovation project in Townsville successfully at, on budget. Very hard to get access to the, really those type of um, trades to be able to affordably do it. So for me, a bit of a I'm not doing a lot of shortage, a shortage of building. I mean, you would, yeah, building trades, no one is available because um, it's just the way it is. So yeah, I would say so make sure that you, 
have a chat with the property manager and ask, hey, how how easily accessible are these trades? Because I want to actually do this renovation. No, nah, no, nah, it's going to blow out time-wise. Also, think about the time that you're doing the renovation. Don't do the renovation yourself. Um, every single day that you you have a property you, not with a tenant. you on, Joe? That in your, yeah. in your block, is he, my has next, he done yet? My next door neighbor, he's not done yet. I saw him last week. He said, no, nah, mate, I'm not done yet. And he hasn't thought about it. Like, I was like, oh, wow, I'm it's sorry to hear about that. You, even more, I think. Like, and I'm like, oh, sorry to hear about it. So, no, mate, we're just cracking on with it. And I'm like, wait, every single day that you're not down there doing the work, um, you you got to you're losing like 200 bucks a day, and that's what you need to be thinking. So, 200 bucks if you're not doing anything or nothing's happening. So, be organized and organize your trades. Have good to people. Um, trades are busy. It's Christmas trades are busy. Trying yeah. to buy the Christmas not, presents and yeah, exactly. Not disrespecting, they're just not available. So don't go to where people aren't available. Supply and demand. <laughs> You're gonna pay yeah. more. Um yeah. yeah. We could we could we could we could keep um sort of talking deals, but I, I reckon we'll um do do you want to sort of articulate a, a thing that we sort of unpacked last week with, with Jeremy around uh, Jeremy um Shepherd on on sort of talking about types of properties to look at and, and sort of ways to think about that. Do you want to talk to that and we'll go to an ad and then we'll talk townsville? How's that sound, Joe? Oh. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, well, I guess it's quickly covering off things not to buy. So that's that's super important. You want to know, like the way I like to think about it is you, you've got a plate full of everything. Rather than diving head first and trying to find the gem in there, let's first chill out and let's just remove the stuff that's not relevant to us. So for, for me, no house and lands, no units, no townhouses. Um, that automatically cuts out so many, so many more things um, off the plate for for you to worry about. So um, one of the things, actually, if you were on here last week, Jeremy Shepard spoke about it, and uh, he was talking land to asset ratio. So the reason why we always say, "Great, buy five hundred square meters plus," is because the land. Let's just let's just take all the buildings off an area, and you've just got land. The the value of the land is created because of the ec economic activity of the area. So why is Sid Sydney's house prices so much? Why are they, you know, two, three million dollars, five million dollars? Because the economic activity of, of, of Sydney is, is massive. It creates a large amount of wealth. Why is it $400,000 in Townsville? Well, because their economy is a lot smaller. So the land is a lot less. It hasn't soaked up as much as the value. So if you're going ahead and buying a uh, a $600,000 house and land package on a 200, 300 square meter block, um, that is going to be made up of $200,000 for the land and $400,000 for the house to equal your 600,000. So that's a land to asset ratio of 33%. You've only got $200,000 worth of land value. Um, let's change that, flip that. You buy a house that has value, land value of $400,000, but the house is pretty rough, pretty pretty rough and ready. It's only worth $200,000. So that equals $600,000, but it's an 800 square meter block and that's 66% of land to asset value ratio. Is this making sense so far? I feel like I'm just talking, but- No, it does. It, it does make sense. and. And and then I think the the thing that really he articulated it really well. Like a lot of people say, yes, don't buy house and land, and and I would say that yes, you but can why? make money. Exactly. 
You can. And and same with townhouses, same with units. If you buy a townhouse in Sydney, absolutely you can make money. Can you make money in units? Absolutely you can. But you need to be an expert in that particular field. And is a Sydney unit the absolute best thing to be buying right now? Absolutely not. I don't believe so. Um, but um, anyway, you've got your $400,000 worth of land. Let's expand that out in 20 years. The buildings are probably worth about the same now. The building on the $400,000 building has depreciated a lot and the building on your one has depreciated a lot as well. But it's the land that's the most important thing that's that's grown in value. So your you know original 400, 200 square metres is worth bugger all and your 800 square metre block is worth a, a boatload more. So it then also gives you opportunities to the future to be able to subdivide, to be able to develop, to put granny flats on, to do any of those type of things. So this land to asset ratio, the reason why people bang on about it and the reason why we buy properties that have 500 square metres plus is because we need our land to grow. Um, but uh, yeah, cool. Okay. I, I want to chat to... Let's chat a little bit to Townsville, but before we do that, let's dive into this sucker. Man, pleasing. The amazing thing with commercial... Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special announcement from the master of commercial property investing, Steve Polisi. I love commercial property. Get ready to have your minds blown as Steve is back and he's got some pretty exciting news for us. Steve is unleashing his second sensational book upon the world. And get this, for the Oz Property Investors members out there, he's giving it away absolutely free. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100% free. Yep. 100% free for all property enthusiasts who want to learn and grow on their commercial property investing journey. But he's also added a little extra chili to make this deal even spicier. With this free book, you'll also receive a complimentary one-hour strategy session with the man himself. Imagine a full 60 minutes with Steve's commercial and property genius dedicated to helping you master the intricate dance of commercial property investing. And who better to dance with the man who looks better than Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing? I don't know about that. Want to grab this offer? It's super easy. If you're live right now, click the link in the comments and secure it today. If not, grab your device, open up the browser, head over to policyproperty.com, look for the book page and grab your free copy of Steve's latest masterpiece. And when you're checking out, make sure to use the exclusive code OZPROP to secure the free book and also your free one-hour strategy session. My only concern with this offer is that Steve's going to have to turn it off soon as he can only do so many sessions. So if you want to secure your spot, do so today. Oh, nearly passed out there. Doesn't get funny. Yeah, Doesn't a, get less. That's funny. a fun one. Um, so I, I want to. Um, is isn't people prefer nice big house to live compared to old house on big block of land? Is there any data about demand ratio versus uh, for old versus new houses? Oh, that's interesting. Yes, that's, interesting. that's a really good question. Yeah, actually, that's a really really good question. Um, do people prefer to live in houses that are very nice and brand new? Yeah. Absolutely. A house and land package will get more rent, um, but you're kind of sa suffering a little bit in rent. So instead of being $600 a week, it'll be $570 a week because it's a four bed, two bath. The brand new one will get 600. The not brand new one will get, it'll get $30. $30. So you're losing $30 a week, but in 10 years time, we're talking, you know, $800,000 um, and this one's $550,000. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference for what will be brand new for 
five years, but after it gets, you know, a few tenants through it, it's going to, it's going to be exactly the same as the 20 year old house. So, um, why, why sacrifice 30 grand? Why, why have $30? Would you, what would you rather $30 a week or a hundred thousand dollars in a year? That's it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of a- academic sort of, it, it sort of pays the, the thing that thing that I sort of think about is it, it is is that the land value to me go is is based on the, the the sort of desirability of the area, whereas the the property itself is as as I think you alluded to in in ten years time it is going to be an older property and that's that's going to like that's it's kind of like a car I mean you drive the car out a lot yes it's all shiny and bright. And then you sort of then, then you sort of move then 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 you sort of drive off the off the thing and just lose a lot of its value because it starts to sort of break down. Like you think in five years time, it's or ten years time, it's probably going to need a repaint. It's going to need a carpet. It's going to need all these things. It's going to look old. It's going to be like that old old property anyway. You can if you really wanted to. I'm not saying people should or they shouldn't. You could always build a nice brand new property on that block of land on that 800 square meter block of land, and then you're going to have a nice shiny property. As well, whereas if you build a, a nice brand new property on that three hundred square meter land, the land's still going to be three hundred square meters. So, yeah, yeah. I think there are some people that have done some. I think Mike Mike Mort, like we might have to reach out to Mike on that because I think he's done some data on it. But um, he probably yeah, has. Like Mike's done everything. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if Mike's Mike might beat Elon Musk to Mars. I think maybe he's. He, I think he's doing it. He's got a secret project. He's learning how to fly. That's where it'll be. But but I digress. Townsville Joe, well we well we um I, I want to preface this. Well, I'll preface it. You you probably might have anyway. But I think this is an area where a lot of people talk about. We're we're not necessarily saying that this is a place you should buy or you shouldn't buy. It's it's up to you. You, you kind of make your own decisions. We're not. I'm not. I'm not saying like if it fits your brief. If it's kind of ticks. There is a lot of interest in this area. So. I would sort of, and that's why we thought, yeah, there's an opportunity to, to sort of unpack and go through some examples and talk to, if you're looking to do your own area research, we'll give you a bit of a, a snapshot of what we've talked about in a couple of live sessions previously. So shall we start, Joe? Hey, let's start it. Townsville, why do we, why does everyone, why does everyone love Townsville? Um, it is. Does everybody this, love this Townsville? Is... What are your thoughts on Townsville well, in the comments? Throw them in Townsville. Where the hell is it? Um, it's about thirteen hundred kilometers away uh, north of Brisbane. It is the largest city in Australia, north of Brisbane. Um, the median house price, actually, I don't have the the top. I think it's like four hundred thousand dollars for the median house price. Oh, yeah, this this is old data. Um, so it's about four hundred thousand um, dollars, and the data is cool. looking pretty interesting. Where um when you say median house price of Townsville, like what is that? Which which postcode is that taking you from? Like how did how did you? I'm asking. Sorry, Joe, I'm asking the tough question here, mate. I should well, have I asked just, this before. Yeah, well, I didn't pull up the. I don't. I don't know. It's the answer. I don't know exactly the exact number for what the median house price is. Because um, it's like, it's like when I when I look at the median house price at Gladstone, and I'm like, well, I know I, I don't look at Gladstone, but I'm just curious. I like to track that market yeah. because. But yeah. Should be about three sixty to four hundred, around about, depending on the type of asset. Is it a three bed? Is it a four bed? Is it a five bed? Does it have a pool? Is it a high set? Um, again, 
it, the median doesn't matter. So like it only matters for the type of asset that you've got. So a three bed will be about 380 to 400,000. A four bed will be about 400 to 450,000. Um, why is, why is Townsville so interesting? Because the yields are really, really well. Um, yeah. 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 So someone's jumped in here, spent a few months in Townsville and Bundaberg this year, very different area areas in Townsville. Yes, that that's one big thing as well. You have Lisa. to you have thanks Lisa. Yeah, you have to understand the areas. They're all very, very different. Um and also there is a lot of flooding. So when it comes to Townsville, um make sure you do the the Townsville flood map to understand what if your area has has flooded a lot. Um the downside um one of the, sorry actually one of the other things with Townsville is population growth. Um right now Townsville's population uh, forecast it is currently 196,000. Uh, forecast in 2041 is going to be 282,000, which is a 42% increase. So that's 2.1% increase um, year on year, which is above the Queensland average of 1.9. So that's good to see. We've got more people Brilliant. moving no, here. Okay. You just want to just throw every question at me. This no, no, sorry. <laughs> This is from the ABS. The ABS, okay. I think. I think it's the ABS. No, it sounds good. Sorry. Poor Joe. Townsville has did nothing growth-wise um, since COVID. Uh, attractive yields. Yeah, this it's is actually... Attractive yields. Good point. Yeah. Good point. It's a very good point. And this is why we had Jeremy. This is why I really wanted to have Jeremy Shepard on is because, well, Perth has done nothing for the past 15 years, 14 years. Um, but now it's, it's, it's the fastest growing market. Um, so should you be buying in the markets that are, have already grown? Um, what you tend to see is an aversion to the mean. So as, as properties grow a lot in value, they're going to, they're going to not continue to do that. Right, like Hobart, Tasmania, lots of Tassie. Like, look at look at a lot of those markets. Like, it's started to go backwards and 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 that sort of thing. But it, but it's close to doubled in in three to five years, in three or four years from sort of twenty fifteen to twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Again, another interesting interesting information about um, projects. Um, they have that new Cowboy Stadium. They've got the Hell's Gate Dam. Uh, sorry, Hell's Gate Dam. Um, that they've been working on that is 52.2 million um and then it's a 3.5.35 billion irrigation agricultural power plant um, as well uh, and then the Singaporean army barracks of 2.25 billion where they're sending people 14,000 army forces to go to Queensland get trained up for 18 weeks um, and then then go back so these little these little projects that these little projects starts to add up. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of military movement. Um, this is an interesting one as well. A lot of um, a lot of younger people moving to the area, setting up families rather than being Blokesville. Blokesville of the days of old. Um, I've actually got a friend who is the head of 
data for a tech a prop tech platform he makes probably 250 grand a year i don't know uh, like around about there 200 to 250 uh and he's moved up to uh i think it's cans actually he's moved up to cans moved up to San Francisco because he says i want to get away like there are big hordes of people that have these tech jobs um have these big jobs where they can work from home 100 remotely and they want to have that lifestyle um so it's good to see people moving out of that uh so this is it's like we just run this session based on the comments. It's fantastic. Some big house and land packages happening as well, especially in Cosgrove. So when there's a lot of population, um, you do want to be careful of where people are, where those people are going. You don't want to be buying on the total outskirts in all these greenfield locations because of this exact reason. These house and land packages are going to get built up, and you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to find a good uh, a good deal because the supply has been soaked, the demand has been soaked up by the supply. So buy in areas that are on larger blocks in nicer owner-occupied areas. Um, and you'll one, have a good tenant because that's where people want to live. And two, you're not going to, there's no, there's no more land to build out these house and land packages on to soak up your supply. Yeah. yeah. The, um, and I suppose the thing I was thing I sort of see with um, that don't want to necessarily paint just the rosy picture um, because this is the thing we, we oh, want to yeah. keep it as real as we can. Um, some of the, and, and I think what we yeah. um, up, up to you, Joe, in terms of where we go from here. But I, I reckon I'd love to see some of the data on on the one of the more talked about talked about sort of suburbs. Um, so that's sort of K. If you want to chat to chat, chat to that one, but. Uh, this this suburb so cool and it's probably the biggest but the 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 challenge or the some of the sort of downsides or disadvantages is that yes it does cost more to get insured which is kind of talks that point about where it rains it rains a lot so just you just have to be really careful with that and just sort of understand uh, if you particularly if you're not a local the other thing um, that people talk about quite a lot and and even speaking to property managers and all that sort of stuff you even hear information about this so you just need to sort of be mindful of this i'm not saying don't but is is the crime and there's crime everywhere so i'm not saying that townsville is like a, a crime ridden sort of place it's it's not necessarily but there sometimes there are going to be there is going to be that sort of crime situation so just understanding the particular pockets that you're looking at and sort of really understanding where you should probably avoid um sort of picking up an investment property so they're probably two of the the stronger yeah Massive downside is cyclones and floods of January 2019. Um, so there was a massive event that happened, caused five five deaths and $1.24 billion in property loss. Um, so it didn't like when you look at the when you look at the charts and the data for property growth, it didn't actually affect too much. There was a there was a there was a bit of stagnation for a little while, but then it's like people forgot about this. But it the thing is. These things are priced in at the at the um, council rates. For some reason, the council it does include water, but it is very expensive and insurance. So you are getting a higher rent. So you'll buy a five hundred thousand dollar property, and you'll be getting six hundred and fifty, six hundred and twenty dollars a week rent. I would drop that rent down. Um, uh, you know. $40, $50, just to be like, well, it's not really a $650, it's more like a $600. Um, so it's a $500 purchase, $650, um, sorry, $600 a week rent income, um, just to soak up some of those costs that you're going to incur. So yes, insurance is higher, but your rent is also higher. 
but just don't overcapitalize and buy. Like there was a property that we were that that, that we were looking in um in a in a location, and the guy was like, "Cool, yeah, this is this is you know four hundred thousand, and it's a four and a half, it's a five percent yield, and a five percent yield in you know regional locations like Townsville or Cairns is is not very good. It's horrendous. So just be very careful and wary of not wanting to go too crazy." Um, but also has a diverse workforce, right? Like uh, it's good to see they've got a lot of health and social care, public ad- admin. So it's not just relate. It's just not relying on one industry. It's a massive. It's a massive area. Um, it's ed- education as well, Joe. Like the James Cook University is up there, and and there are some really sort of um, some fantastic sort of schools up there as well. In in sort of and Annandale sort of has has some. I think they have two or three over in there and it's sort of that can be a bit of a bottleneck i hear as well like you sort of you get around sort of school time but um should we look at the data joe or what, what else what, what else do you want to no you don't know we're looking data i didn't have, i didn't have time i didn't have time to pull the data <laughs> i didn't have time to pull the data so there's no data for you guys i want to see. yeah uh there's not time there's no time for okay. the data. <laughs> no data tonight don't have time for it Sorry, guys. We'll do the data next time. We'll do a data. We'll do a proper data deep dive um, next time on on the next one. Where else would people be interested of a data deep dive to go into a little bit, actually? Because what I'm what I'm starting to see, um, this is just anecdotal. Um, I don't have any data to back this up, but I'm seeing a lot of people finding it very challenging to buy in the Perth market. Right, um, Perth. Had, Perth has been booming and it's been booming a long time and agents and vendors are now starting to realize that, gosh, we can take full advantage of this market and just pay, charge whatever we want. This $500,000 house is going for 560,000 or 600,000, right? Um, So what I'm starting to see is people, investors are getting sick of missing out in Perth. They put five offers on and like, screw it. I'll get a good yield. I'm going to go to these more regional places like Rockhampton, Gladstone, Townsville, Cairns, not saying whether you should or shouldn't buy in those areas, but that's kind of what I'm starting to see a shift in. Um, yeah. It's perfect thing. What does what that what does that even mean? Like is perfect thing. Uh, probably, elaborate, yeah. elaborate, Brendan. Let, let us let it's us know. Brendan. Is Perth even a place? Yeah, Brendan Crawl. It is. It is a place. Um yeah. Any other questions we should uh answer on on here, young Jeff? Here we go. I want to. I want to unpack. Will affordability and rents change mine? What if the state government's created projects that drove jobs? Was this in? Was this specifically? Um, who was this? Who's this from? This is from. Will affordability uh, and rents change mine? This is Brendan Crawl again. So, it's a good oh, question. Yeah, this, is, this is actually in reference to Darwin. So, how oh, is that? I, I. I must. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm. I've not been to Darwin, and I've not looked at it as a property market. So, if somebody knows a, a Darwin property, I mean, I don't know. Do we? Do we do a session on Darwin, Joe? Maybe we should talk about it offline. But it's like a small. It's a very small town. Um, well, I don't very know. Small a, town. It's like two hundred thousand people. I don't think it's that small. Like it's. It's kind of yeah. It's. It's the size of Geelong and almost close to Wollongong, which we you know Wollongong's pretty much close to being king. It's like King Junior after Sydney, but no, a little 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 bias there. Thing I'm loving though is is the amount of posts that we're seeing on people that are, are executing on deals and they bought sort of two or three or four properties and and it's just it's really heartening to see that in in sort of yes interest rates have gone up and hopefully they're sort of they've, they've factored that all in. But it's just good to see that people 
uh, uh, sort of taking action. And, and I suppose you want to sort of make sure you're doing that. But what, so what areas are people sort of seeing? Uh, what, what, what are people seeing? Where, where are they going to be looking in, in 2024? Like where are people making moves? In 20, that's what I want to see. Um, thoughts so what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts Should on that? What are your thoughts week? on Maybe we save it to next yeah. week, but I, I think I think Victoria's um, at the bottom of the market or getting very close to the bottom of the market. Of if you've got a long, long term position, I think there's some really good. Like I'm, I'm seeing properties that were once seven hundred thousand dollars are now five hundred thousand dollars. There is a lot of negative cash flow, and you're going to hold them for a long time. But if it's gone from five hundred to seven hundred, or five hundred to, or it's gone from seven hundred. Sorry, it's gone. It's at seven hundred, and it's, it was a mill. Like there's there's almost guarantee three hundred thousand dollars there for future. Um, no, not guarantee. There's no guarantees. We, we we didn't. I mean, it could. Yeah, there's there's opportunity. We'll put it put it that way. But the the thing I I'd even say in the next three to five years. So Victoria Land Tax coming next year. That's that's an extra thousand dollars. You definitely. It's exactly each property as well. So um, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to boom anytime soon. Um, but this is just affecting investors, right? So that's thirty percent of the market. What about owner occupiers and, and things like that? Um, so anyway, I, I think I think the the because the other interesting thing, like the amount of people that said, um, I, I just think, well, what is? I mean, I haven't looked at the economy sort of economic numbers for Victoria. But you just look at the amount of sort of people that are moving to Australia. That are going to need to buy, and and the amount of sort of popularity, I think, um, I think there's there's something if as long as you don't need to see Perth like growth next year, so I, I I like I like Victoria, but um the one the one yeah. state that I'm not so not so confident on apart from Darwin because I don't really have a look at it is Tassie. I just think Tassie like what what's 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 going to go down? You're Tassie, bullish on Tassie. From... No, no, no. I just I don't no, I don't no. I'm not confident on all at it because. I just think prices ran up quite a lot, and I think that that will sort of, but yeah, not not predict. So we talking about look at Toowoomba, Queensland. That's a, we did we did actually we didn't do a deep dive on that, did we, Joe? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. But uh, I reckon, are there any other questions we? Uh, there there, there were some good ones. Like let's let let's we'll, we'll talk about the darling. I, I want to talk about this show. What, what do you think about? What do you see? How much will Perth market rise in the next two to three next two to three years? And my answer to that is there's not one Perth market. Like you, you start to look at, you, there's a couple, I would segment Perth into a couple of, I'd, I'd segment into the more sort of affordable sort of pockets as in your, your well, previously more affordable, like your, your Rockingham, your kind of Gosnells. Um, everybody loves Gosnells to talk about it. Like particularly Tommy Newham, he loves talking about the, that areas. And you sort of talk about North of the River, you, you sort of, your parts like your sort of Cragen, your Craigie, your Belden, your Heathridge, I think they may perform slightly differently. I think, um, I think next year is probably still going to be great for Perth, um, but I, I would sort of start to say it may start to slow down in 2025. Um, so I think a lot of the – I'm not going to say you can't grow another 30%, um, but I just think you, you're starting to sort of see that it can only continue for so long. And and it's been going for free, roughly three years now. So yeah, I think – um, Oh, we have Matuzzi yeah. again. This is Matusik again, um, but look how much supply there is available in these states, and it's kind of interesting to see well, which markets are moving. So this was uh, 2022, July 2022. 
Um, actually, I think it's uh, been between. Okay, so cool. So this is a little outdated. Um, but look at the months of supply that are left in these markets. Sydney, there's eight. Uh, so population growth, housing demand, dwelling approvals, how many properties approved, and then their supply status. And then how many months of supply is left before you can soak it up. Um, these markets like Perth, Hobart, and Adelaide, and Brisbane are very, and Darwin actually, Darwin is very well undersupplied. Uh, what's going on? The the big capitals, Melbourne, Sydney, and Canberra, they're building a lot of units, they're building a lot of townhouses, they're building a lot of dwellings, and these areas are not oversupplied, are undersupplied. Um, so it's these type of markets that I would be looking at. Um, and I just keep top top of mind, what, what is the population growth? What is the housing demand? What are the approvals coming on? And that's just going to be some basic supply and demand checks. Um, uh, the thing that I would say about this, so this is only new properties. So I mean, it depends on yeah, it's it's one. It is it is an, something to take it. But if you look at that, you'd sort of say, well, why isn't Darwin potentially going to absolutely skyrocket? But then the question is, well, what is what is what is sort of what is bringing people up that or, or pulling people to that location? You sort of then you tend to look at the yes, there's not may not be a lot of supply. Um, yeah. Let's let's see what else we got. We'll get rid of that one. And uh, what can be yeah. done about the credit score. What credit score agency is most commonly used? So this was back when we were talking about broking stuff. Um, yeah. So we actually did I a. Think... Sorry. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Had that lady on. Did a session with Kitty, and and she sort of spoke more about if you're credit impaired. Um, but I suppose the thing, like, there's no, I don't, I haven't. Equifax, which I think got turned into, they did change the name. That's that's the main sort of they changed the name. What can be done about credit, the credit score? It's just to make sure that you're doing all the doing all the sort of smart common sense things, like making your payments on time, like making sure that you're actually you're getting like chatting to your broker and getting that credit file looked at. Because if you've got something, even if you may not you may not have a late you, you may not know that you have a late payment, and that could be impacting your credit score. So, like really looking diving deep and sort of cleaning up. Because and ways you can do that is you can actually go and challenge if you've if you paid a phone bill, but it's been marked as late or, or, or you've had a default on it, yeah, you just want to make sure that all that's um, being cleaned up because if you're not, then that can neg significantly negatively impact your credit score um, and, and make mm. it really hard to borrow as well. Like you just mean that you've, you're wiping out sort of 70, 80% of lenders might not touch you if you've got something in your credit file. So re really, really sort of Super important question for 2024. Another great broker question for you. Um, mm. What are the risks of cross-collateralization and how does this help or hinder me in the future? Um, so how would you describe cross-collateralization? Cross say it 10 times fast, cross-collateralization, cross-collateralization. I can't say it more than twice. But no, no. So the simplest way, <laughs> yeah, I said it twice. Bring up bring up a graph, Joe, because I, I don't want to have to try and – it's easier just to bring up – like if you could quickly – I don't want to talk – I mean, I can talk to it. But it's basically where you've got – let's just imagine you've got two or three investment properties. Typically the way the, – the banks – a bank will – if you go straight to a bank and even some brokers, so be mindful of this, um, is is you'll – Let's just say you've got your your owner occupied property and you're pulling equity out of that and going with the same bank. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, they'll sort of they'll use the same they'll they'll secure the second property with with the with the first property. So they're all sort of tied in. They're lumped in together to then sort of potentially save on LMI and that sort of thing. That's the that's the benefit people say, and it's you don't necessarily even need to do that. 
Um, so you're sort of then lumping all your all your property loans together in one sort of neat package, which the big risk of that, imagine if you buy, like property doesn't always go up. It doesn't always go up. Let's just say you buy, a. hopefully, I don't know anybody in this group buys a dart or a lemon. And then in, in, in three years' time, you go to say, oh, look, I want to go and now buy, I want to go and buy another property. I've got heaps, I've got 500,000 equity in my principal place of residence now. I've got, I'm going to come and pull some of the equity. And you go to the bank or you go to your broker and they say, well, actually, no, you're, you're um, the value of your portfolio, you're actually sitting at about a 90, an 80 or a 90% LVR because you've got this other asset. You might have bought a unit somewhere in Melbourne in Docklands, which hopefully nobody's not not going to do that. And it's sort of sitting at what it's worth. And and now you sort of LVR over the top. And, you, and they say, well, you don't have, if you want to extract, you don't have, you're not able to sort of extract equity from that. Um, so it could just cause a lot of issues down the track. Um, and, and yeah, yeah if, if you ever have to default, like they, they so, may be able to sell that that other property. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is the all monies clause as well, which um, may may sort of entangle you anyway. Yeah, there's no way around. You can't you can't escape the debt. Um, but in um, the big concern here, so the opportunity is what are the what are the pros of it? Um, it can access you. You can get access to some more lending with it. Um, there can be better favorable terms because what are banks scared of? They're scared of risk. So if they can tie up your principal place of residence and your investment property together into one loan, and they are guaranteed, they're the ones that control how much you get in and out. Then absolutely, they'll take on a little bit more risk because they've got more uh, they've got more collateral against that, which is why it's called cross collateralization. Um, but really, it's just if this property is worth a million dollars and goes up to one point five million dollars, and this property drops in value, you can't pull out. It's like you can't pull out the difference like you would normally do. You go, great, I've got five hundred thousand dollars here. No, but this property's dropped down in value because you're in a different market. You're in a different cycle. You're not getting the value. So yeah, I think there's value to it. Um, is there any other benefits to cross collateralization? Yeah. Not not really many. I don't think that's that's too many. It, it it just how to draw equity and avoid cross collateralization. Um, you simply just ask. You say, hey, look, look, I want this to be a standalone loan. Just, just ask that and make sure that that like you need to really check your loan documentation when you sign those loan docs as well. You need to confirm that that is what the way that it's been arranged. So if you don't, I if you're going to try and um, I mean yeah, just make sure you're asking your broker that that it's not that it is a separate loan that it's not it's not because if you don't ask they they most if you go with the same bank it probably they probably will automatically cross collateralize it. Just because, it's just de-risking. Yeah. It's just a de-risk. Yeah, their yeah. Own, yeah, they're looking out and it's for their better own. For them. Um, and this, it's like they're like trying to be like a octopus. They're trying to get different their tentacles on all the different assets that you have. They can tie it all into one. Happy, happy days. If there's no difference in outcome, why not? Avoid well, there is, there is, there is a difference as I've just pointed to because the key difference is you, you, you're tying yourself to that one thing. Whereas otherwise, if you then decide down the track, the main thing is that not not cross collateralizing gives you a lot more flexibility because if you decide uh, down the track you want to refinance all of your portfolio let's just say you have cba you want to go across the nab and then cba says hang on a minute we've got all we've got free properties they're all linked together yeah sure you've got you've got you've got 500k equity in one these other ones you've they've actually gone backwards so you 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 actually don't have a lot of equity whereas you, if if you sort of yeah if you don't have it gives you 
greater flexibility, not having them tied together, uh, bunching them all together. So why would you cross? I guess is 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 the question. The reason why you well, cross for, is for a better, the, for potentially a better deal, potentially a better deal, maybe avoid why because yeah, which yeah, which is, you can still avoid that stuff anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. There's not really yeah. This is an interesting one. Um, Bustleton Bunbury, Joe. When, we, oh. when can we do a can we do a, a deep yeah. dive on on that one? Are you gonna can you can sure. you fly? To Let's do a Bustleton. But yeah, I gotta go. Gotta go to Bunbury though. Gotta do boots on the ground in old Bunno. Um. Yeah. Um, is is it a big enough area though? Like, what? What? what how big a how big a population? Like, are we going to be able to cover a session for for two hours? Talk about Bunbury. I don't know. Can we? Is this going to be like an hour session? I doubt it. I'm sure I doubt it, mate. Time. The way we are. Well. Okay. Cool. Well, let's let's wrap this Sorry, sucker Kat. up. I hope that was valuable for for people. Um. That was good. Thanks, maybe, mate. Maybe we need to get a broker and talk about cross collateralization. Like maybe we need to do a session on that. It seems like there there is a lot. Like actually, like is it the devil or is it the yeah? Is it a wolf a wolf in sheep's clothing? Can you have a standalone with the same bank? You have two properties. Just ask. Yes. Yeah, ask them for yep. not. Yeah, ask the question. You have to specifically you ask, ask them not to cross collateralize. Just yeah. You have you to. Have to you have them. to say don't. Don't cross collateralize it because they will, because it's better. It's de-risking their investment. Um, okay. That was good. That was a good session. I hope people got value out of that. If you did, um, congratulations. That was free. Good on you. That, uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad we provided <laughs> some is, value. Let, let that's us, the most let us know thing. when you go and execute some of the stuff and do a post because I read that. Yes. It actually makes me Yeah, that was yeah, so awesome. Feel- yeah, that was that person that did – what did they say? I bought three properties and, you know, the, the group helped under, helped get the basics. I've gone ahead and bought three. I'm now open to buy. I'm ready to buy five to seven next year. What an animal. What an absolute savage. Good job. In a good way. Making good it happen. Not, not a bad way. Good savage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Love it, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for being the, the, the moustached member of OzProp because I can't really grow one. So, well, um, let's, let's wrap it up, mate. Let's go. All right, let's go buy a property. See you later. Have a good day and a night. Bye. Have a good twenty rest of twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over twenty five thousand property investors, so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.